Brandon's Brandon is is right. Um, it, as you can tell, we do eat banana pudding a lot um, in in Georgia, and uh, and and it is it's a it's a really uh, it's a really good thing. Um, and if you're ever in Georgia, I'll uh, man, it's right up here. Uh, if you're ever in Georgia and and you want to come down and uh, you want to eat banana pudding and and we'll go to the I'll carry the farm down the road and we'll buy the milk and uh, and we'll eat boiled peanuts and 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 believe it or not it's actually fun we have a really good time and and uh, so if you're ever in Georgia and you're not hanging out with the bougie folks um, you you can come my way and we'll we'll have a great time. Um, to, uh, to, to Van's point, um, there is a lot of really interesting names, uh, for these dorms. Uh, we've, we've got South Yeeter, and, uh, and I, I'm, I'm with all, I'm with Van. I mean, it's, it's taken everything in me not to walk down the halls and just yeet it up the whole day, <laughs> like all night last night. And, and then I found there's another one, it's called the Hosey Dorm. And, and we're, we're not going to mess with that, uh, but we'll let whatever happens there happen. And, uh, but I know this, I'm not saying the hosey dorm. Uh, I'm, in, I'm, I'm eating it up with, with everybody else. And uh, so anyway, uh, for real, I, I want to say thank you to this group, especially the fellowship. Um, man, Troy, Troy really brought it. Uh, to a place last night to where my heart's been for some time. Um, what a lot of you don't know is, is um, I have only been a part of this group for a very short amount of time, uh, and, and you guys are my family, and, and God's, done a, God's done a tremendous work uh, through the fellowship and the pastors in the fellowship in my own life. Um, but I, I want to say this uh, to a dude that was just over here in, um, in Dallas, Georgia, just doing his thing and trying. Um, you you got to keep going. Uh, because there is more pastors just like me that need somebody to give them their Bible back and just tell them to preach the Bible. Show them how to, show them how to use it. Show them how to study it. Show them, how to, show them how to trust the Lord. Show them how to believe that God gave us words and we can't let a bunch of professors and a bunch of theology majors tell us that, that these are not the words of eternal life that God has handed down to us. Give us something to believe in. Give a, listen, when, when God finally nailed down and gave me something to, to really believe in, it was something that I could run with. Man, it's all over. You take a dude with a, whole, with, a, with a little bit of grit and a whole lot of love for Jesus Christ and the words of eternal life, and, and, and the dude can, can change his entire life. And I, I want you to know, you're not doing this for naught. There's a little church in, in Dallas, and if nothing else, I've got five kids that are profiting from this thing, and, and God's using you guys because of it. And I just want you to know, keep doing what you're doing. You're making a huge difference. I'm, I, I mean, for real. Uh, I, I think some, I think usually y'all let me up here just to hear me talk because I say stupid things and I sound a little funny compared to y'all. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm here and, 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 and I plan on having a good time with you this week. It's a good thing this PowerPoint ain't working because we're just going to be in Luke 14 and 15 uh, for the next three sessions. 
Uh, you can go ahead and turn your Bible there. I, I'm going to take I'm going to take my time in in Luke chapter 15 for the most part, and we're going to spend some time in the mornings here. And I I think it will be edifying. And I, I think if we'll take some time, we'll notice some lessons that God's gotten uh, scattered throughout the entirety of Luke chapter number 15, particularly. Uh, this morning, I, I want to talk to you on how to spot the slip. From Luke chapter 15, specifically, I want to talk to you on, on how to spot the slip. How many of you understand uh, and, and know that slipping doesn't just happen? Uh, I, I, slipping out of church doesn't just happen. Slipping out of the will of God, it doesn't just happen. Slipping out of an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. How many of you understand that that doesn't just happen? How, how about this? Slipping out of being interested in having an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. That doesn't just happen. It was, at, it was at this conference when I, I'm in, I'm in uh, Panama City on vacation and I go to the gym in the morning times and it was at this conference that Brother Mark was preaching Colossians 3, uh, If You Be Risen with Christ. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of you remember that series. And, and, and it just an amazing time. I'd go back and I'd listen at the gym in the morning times, and, and I'll never forget the statement. I was in the gym in Panama City, and I heard this for the very first time. Uh, you, 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 Brother Mark would, would say, you, you, you don't just wake up one day and, and have this phenomenal relationship with Jesus Christ. He said, the prayer that must be prayed is, God, make me hunger to be hungry. And, and God, make me thirst to be thirsty. And, and what a prayer that is for us in this room to understand that this slipping, this idea of slipping, it doesn't just happen overnight that we slip out of this thing. This morning, I want to talk to you about how to spot the slip before you slip off. Before you slip off and, and next year you ain't here. Or five years from now, you ain't here. And, and how many of you understand? How many of you understand that you don't, have to, you don't have to leave this building to slip off? You don't have to leave Midtown to slip off. You don't have to leave the church building to slip. I think when we look at Luke chapter number 15, there's a lot to be said, but I, I want to make sure we set the scene of what's going on in Luke chapter 15 by looking at Luke chapter number 14. How many of you understand and get a lot of context about, by just looking at the chapter before? I come from a group of people, they, they'd pick one Bible verse out and they'd run with that thing and wasn't a whole lot of context to what was going on. But I, I think we can set the scene in Luke chapter number 14 with the parables that's, that's, being, that, that's being preached, that's being taught in, in, in the Pharisee's house. Now, if you have your Bible, you can open your phone, your Bible, whatever. And look, look with me in Luke chapter 14 in, in, in verse uh, 7 through 11. I, I, I want you to look at that. And, 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 and while we, we, we won't take all the time to read all that, I, I want you to understand he's dealing with the, with the wedding feast and the primary application of the wedding feast and the people that he's dealing with. He's dealing with the prideful versus the humble. 
He's dealing with the prideful versus the humble. Now, remember whose house he's in. He's in a Pharisee's house. And so he deals with the prideful versus the humble. Why? Well, because the prideful, the Pharisee, thought they had to have the head seat. And so he's dealing with the prideful versus the humble. Then he goes down in, in verse number in, uh, in verse number 12 through 14, he deals with this great banquet. He deals with, 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 uh, with this great banquet, and, and he's, he's throwing this whole thing. He's dealing with this group that nobody wants. Nobody wants, but, but here it is. Jesus wants this group to be invited to the supper. They were lame, they were halt, they were blind, they were withered. They had all these issues, and, and, and here it is. Uh, I want you to go out, and I want you to invite all these people, this group that can do nothing for you. Now remember who we're talking about. We're talking about Pharisees. Their entire life is consumed with people that can do something for them. Then Luke 14 and 17 through 24, he then deals with this other group of invites that are, that are always making excuses. They're always making excuses. One says he bought some land and he had to go look at it. One says, I got, I got to go prove this yoke of oxen. One says, I got a wife. Now, that's all probably a legitimate excuse in the whole group. <laughs> he's married this nut job, and he's got to take care of her. <laughs> Brother's going home alone tonight. <laughs> you ain't, you ain't going to be yeeting nowhere. And, and then in Luke 14, 25 through 33, and, and this whole group knows, knows this one really well. And there were great multitudes with him, and he turned. Now, 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 now here it is. And there were great multitudes with him. And, he, and, and, and these multitudes are following him, and he turns to them and tells them what it's going to cost to follow him. Now, what is Jesus doing in, in, in 25 through 33? Well, he's presenting the buy-in. How many of you understand that you need to know the buy-in before you try and buy in? I wonder if a lot of times, and I've been accused of doing this same thing, and, and, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I've been accused of, of, of not presenting the right buy-in. And, and almost like a bait and switch. And Jesus makes sure that nobody gets the idea that it's not going to cost them any less than their own life if they're really going to follow him. And then he says, and, and out of nowhere, in, in verse 34 and 35, he, he starts talking about this salt deal. It, it, uh, salt that doesn't do its job. Salt that's lost its savor, it's worthless. Salt that doesn't do its job, it is no good. It is worthless. Now, after all that, after all that preaching, after all of that, I, I, I mean, can you imagine, man, unless you hate your father and your mother, unless you forsake it all, unless you deny yourself and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. After all of that preaching, and, and you ready for this? And the invitation that is given, 
Luke chapter 15 and verse number 1. I want you to look. Then, then drew near unto him all of the Pharisees. No, 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 that ain't what it says. Then drew near unto him all of the publicans and sinners. Now, the vilest of the group... You know, there's two groups there that day. There's sinners, and there's publicans, and there's Pharisees, and there's scribes, and these two groups of people, the vilest of the group, they drew near for to hear him. Man, ain't it crazy how sometimes we as pastors will tailor the message based on the crowd? I, I mean, I mean, I mean we'll, we'll, we'll lessen, we'll do what we can to feel like that we got to lessen the standard based on the crowd that's hearing the message. Well, Jesus didn't do that. Actually, it was the standard that attracted publicans and sinners. It was this standard that if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to leave it all. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to hate your father and your mother and your brother and your sisters, yea, and you're all on your own life also. If you're going to follow me, and, and this is intriguing, you remember where you was when somebody presented that message to you? You remember where you were when somebody presented that message to you and in your own vileness, in your own, in your, in your own self-consciousness about who you were, you thought, that sounds like something I want to do. Now, there is another group. There is another group that's following Jesus. Or that, that, or that is around at the time. And that's the Pharisees and the scribes. But now make sure you understand, they aren't drawing near for to hear him. They came to murmur. Now, now this is a phenomenon because sinners are getting nearer to the message of Christ. And, and now get this, the seeming, seemingly religious, when they get near the message, they, they gripe and they complain and they whine and they murmur. Why? Well, because they're as close as they want to be. They're as close as they want to be, and they're as close as they feel like they need to be. That's why they murmur when the standard's raised. That's why they murmur, and that's why they get upset when the, when the standard's raised, because they feel like they've already checked enough boxes to, to fulfill their religious obligations. And when you call them to something higher, the, the, prideful, the religious prideful man wells up inside of him in murmur, in complaint. So he sets the application with some illustrations. 
He sets uh, the scene up with applying, applying what's been preached with some illustrations, and he uses three different things in Luke chapter number 15. He uses sheep, and he uses a coin, he uses coins, and he uses sons. Now we know in, 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 in Luke 15 and in, in verse 4 through 7 there that the shepherd leaves the 99 and he goes for the one. And how many of you know you've been in church long enough to where you've heard plenty of people uh, that, that, were, that was not in church would say, yeah, you know, Jesus, he leaves the 99 and he goes for the one. He's, I'm, I'm the one, you know, that kind of deal. But he goes back in verse number 7 to addressing the audience. Now remember who the audience is. There's sinners and there's Pharisees. And he addresses the audience in verse number 7. I say unto you likewise that joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Now I believe, I believe that, that, it's, that it's safe to say that the Pharisee is the ninety-nine and the sinner is the one. You look at the lost coin. You look at the lost coin, and, 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 and again, he's talking about a woman that's lighting a candle and sweeping a house and seeking for this lost coin, the one out of ten coin. And, and, and the crowd, again, is the same crowd. Now, how many of you understand that one coin doesn't sound like a lot to be looking for unless you only got ten? I mean, remember when you're 16 years old? Well, I'm 41 now. But when I was 16 years old, I can remember scrounging enough change up in my car and putting $2.84 of gas in my car just to get me down the road. I mean, it ain't like that no more. But I can remember doing that. And, and, and I would say that, that you may think that the one coin is not worth much. And it, and it might not be unless you only have ten. But the crowd again is being addressed in verse number ten. When he says, likewise, I say unto you there, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Remember, the, the, the crowd is really important about who we're addressing. Now, now the first two are valuable. The first two have a, 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 a valuable weight to them, but, but make sure you know they're, they're much different than this last one. This last one is different. There's a progression. Sheep are valuable. Coins are, 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 are a little bit more valuable, depending on how many that you have. But then this next one is different. It's the son. In the son, there here is a certain man with two, sins, uh, two sons. And I, I want to say it like this. There is nothing like a soul to God. God, God is laying this thing out there, and he, he lays it out there with, with, with sheep, and, 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 he, and he addresses the crowd that might understand the sheep and the valuable, the valuable nature of a sheep, and then he addresses the crowd that's, uh, that might understand the valuable nature of money, and then he ties all of it back in to souls. How many understand that there is nothing more important to God than a soul? 
that God is interested in people, that God is interested in some. We say it all the time. The only two eternal things are the souls of God, uh, the souls of men, and the word of God. And thank God that he's interested in the souls of men. Now, this morning, I, I, could, I could preach on what it looks like when you, you leave in sin, what it looks like when, when you come home, but you're still, when you stay home, but you're still wrong, and or what it looks like when you come home in repentance. But I, I think that this morning we're going to address, and the primary direction is to present an application to the audience, and the audience being sinners, and they knew they were sinners and Pharisees, but they didn't know they were sinners. I believe one brother represents one, and I believe the other, other brother represents the other. So this morning, I want to ask you, and I want to talk to you about this. How do we, how do we in this room, how do me and you spot the slip before we slip off? I think that every pastor in the room would, would agree, everybody that shepherds people, everybody that has a fellowship, everybody that is involved in shepherding people would say that there's, there's nothing like watching people that you know are slipping. There's nothing like watching people that are rising above accountability. That are, that are no longer, that, that have said, I'm no longer going to be accountable to you. I'm no longer going to be accountable to this body. I'm no longer going to be a, accountable to this pastor. So how does it happen? I think that we can look at the, the, the younger brother this morning, and I think we can see there's a way that you, if, if, we'll look real, if we'll look this morning, we'll ask God, God give us ears to hear. I think there's, there's three things that happen in this younger brother's life that we can see and that we can apply to our own life in how to spot the slip. Number one, I want you to see this. He was blind to the goodness of the Father. He was blind to the goodness of the Father. Verse number 12, he said, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him his living. Now, now there is no doubt that this young man had seen plenty of goodness from his father that he had been well taken care of. But somewhere within his heart and, and somewhere in the process of time, this young man decides he wants what he deserves. He wanted what he deserved. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 17, you don't, you don't have to go there, but there, there is a, there is a, uh, a, a the verse in there talks, is, is talking to us, those verses, in and around verse 17, is talking to us about a man that has two wives, and, and he has children by those two wives. And he said the elder son was to get two-thirds and the younger son was to get one-third. Now, I don't know if that's actually what was going on here, but he, I, and I, I don't know if it's, if it's a 50-50 split. I don't know what it is. But here's what I do know, that the father is delving out inheritances while he's still above ground. How many of you know that normally, normally, now I live in Georgia, ain't nothing normal in Georgia. 
boiled peanuts, banana pudding after every meal, unpasteurized milk. I mean, there's a whole lot of things that ain't normal in Georgia. We do a lot of dumb stuff for fun. But how many of you understand that normally it doesn't just happen that daddy is delving out inheritances until he's no longer breathing? How many of you in the room, I don't know, maybe some of you might not be normal, I don't know. Maybe somebody in here, and you don't went to your, you don't went to your dad and said, "Hey, why don't you go ahead and give me what's mine now?" But normally, the inheritance comes after death. Now, make sure you get it though. His request was perfectly legal, but make sure you understand his request was cruel. Why? Essentially, this young man saying, Daddy, I'm done with you. Daddy, I, I'm, I'm done with you. I, I, don't want any, I don't want any more part of your life, and I, I'm done with you. Uh, and so go ahead and give me the portion of goods that fall to me. Now make sure you get this. His request, it was not only legal, it was not only cruel, but it was selfish. He's saying, give me what's mine. Go ahead and, 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 and give me what's mine. His focus was himself. His focus was go ahead and give me what's mine. You know what I found out when you're slipping? It's all about what you deserve. When you're slipping, it's all about your rights. It's all about what I deserve to get. It's all about what I am entitled to. It's all about me being the focus. I'll say this is a this is a this is a big ordeal to put on. I know it is. But you know how easy it would be for you to get in here in this big ordeal to put on and completely forget the goodness of the Father? and feel like that somebody owes you something for being a part of this or putting this thing on or working yourself to the ball. And, I, hey, listen, I, I, I applaud you. I've got, I've, got, I've got a whole family that loves this thing, and bless your heart for doing it. But it's real easy to get involved in this atmosphere if you ain't careful and let the focus become you and what you're entitled to and you can't see anybody else. You can't see the goodness of God. You can't praise the Lord. You can't, you, you, there, there used to be a, a tear in your eye and now there, there's no joy in your heart. There's no adoration towards the Lord. Here's what I found. You can't see anybody else when you're slipping. The only person you can see is the one you stare at the mirror at. And here's what happens. We end up saying, I want what the Father can give me, but not actually the Father. Like we want grace and we want mercy and we want the benefits of being a son, but we don't actually want the Father. Ain't that crazy? Lord, I don't want to go to hell, but I don't, I, I, I'm not going to submit my life to you. 
Lord, Lord, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to give up. I, I don't want to, I don't want to die and go to hell. But I'm, I'm not going to submit my life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. God, I want you to bless me with a good job, but I'm, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to give you any more than I'm already given. God, I want the right spouse, but I'm not going to spend time seeking you for God, uh, seeking God for it. God, I want a good church, but I'm not really interested in being a good church member. Man, the South is plagued with people looking for a good church, and they're all sorry church members. I, I, I'm sure it ain't happening around here like that, but, but you come to Georgia, and everybody is looking for a good church. They just ain't nobody signing up to be the member of that body that they need to be. Now, how many of you understand, good churches are comprised of good members. This is, this is where we lose the goodness of the Father. You know how that's lost the, lost the goodness of the Father, the children of Israel? Joshua 24, as you know, how the big spiel goes, that for me and my house will serve the Lord. Joshua makes out, gathers everybody together, makes a big deal about it, and choose you this day whom you'll serve, and you know how they do it. Nay, we will serve the Lord. Joshua's like, hey, you got to serve him in sincerity and truth, put away the false gods that are among you. And they say, yeah, we're going to do that. <laughs> we're going to put away the false gods among us. You go to Judges chapter number two, and they lied. They didn't put away the false gods that was among them. And so what happens in Judges 2 and verse number 10, there arose another generation which knew not the Lord. Here it is. Nor yet, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. You know what that's called? That's called a, a really bad testimony. That, that's, that's called a sorry excuse for recognizing the goodness of God. Gratefulness escaped their memory. Ain't that how it works with us? The moment, we get, the moment we get sideways with God, the moment that we get a little off kilter with God is usually the moment that we miss the goodness of the Father. The moment that we forget that God saved us out of a horrible pit, the moment that we forget that nobody could forgive our sin but Jesus Christ, and he came to where we was, and he saved our wretched, miserable souls from a life of agony. Seems like everybody's always trying to run from their past these days. And I'm all for forgetting those things that are behind, but here's what I'm not. I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not about. I'm not about trying to outrun my past because of how it makes me look. What if you was able to communicate to people just how good God was in the middle of all of that mess in your past? We was, was coming home from a, my, my girls. My girls play uh, softball, and we was coming home from a softball tournament recently. 
and, uh, and we, we passed this hotel, and, 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 and we're passing by this hotel, and I looked to the left, and, and uh, memories start flooding back in my mind. I got saved when I was 24 years old. I'm 41 now. And it wasn't long after I got saved that I, I had a, a really bad alcohol problem before that. And it wasn't long after I got saved that, that I went back because I had already made, before I, months previous to me getting saved, I had already reserved a spot in this hotel for this party. Now, let me, let me say something to you. If somebody tries to get, get you to go to a party at a hotel, say no. <laughs> if you got to pay money to reserve the spot to go to the, to the party, say no twice. I had already paid my money, and I felt like, well, I, I got to go fulfill. I'll just go say hello, and then I'll leave. I'll go say hey. And, and, and this is one of them parties where you, you rent a room before you go to the party. Is everybody tracking what I'm saying right there? Like, you ain't leaving the hotel. Like, you're going to go downstairs, and you're going you're gonna to live like hell and the devil, and you're going to do your thing, and you're going to go back up to the hotel. Everybody, everybody got that, right? Bad situation. Say no. Well, I, I, I went that night, and, and uh, the dude I was working for, I know you can't believe this, but the dude I was working for, he let, me, he let me keep his credit card, company credit card. And I got there that night, and I thought, well, it ain't going to hurt to have one. I can handle it. I'm saved now. I can, I can do this. And, 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 and you, know, you know how it goes. It's somebody else's dime, here we go. I mean, uh, he gets the credit card bill. He ain't happy. That kind of situation. I made it home that night. I called somebody to come get me. I made it home that night. I didn't stay in the hotel. I woke up Sunday, must have been Saturday night. I woke up Sunday morning. I thought God was going to kill me. I actually thought, well, there's no way that I, whatever I had is now still in me. That's how, that's how ignorant I was in this whole thing. I got up that morning, smelled like a brewery, made it to church. I sat on the back row. I came in to make sure nobody would, would talk to me. I came in and sat on the back row. I made it through about three or four verses. And, 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 and here I am piled up in the altar. Now, my, my wife is not in church at this time. Here I am piled up in the altar, and I'm begging God not to kill me. I told my kids... We passed by that place, and I told my kids, I was, girls, that's the last place I drink alcohol. Right there is where God sealed in my heart that I was done with that part of my life. You say, you're, you're too honest and you're too open with your kids. Could it be the problem with us is our kids don't know some of the things that we had problems with in our life? And that, 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 hey, that we got the same issue that the children of Israel got, that we have not rehearsed in our children's ear the works which God did for us. Because God, in my stupidity and ignorance that night, did something for me, whether you believe it or not. He showed me that, that we're done with that. 
We're done with that life. We're done with that road. We ain't going there no more. We're done. We're not going back to the bars no more. We ain't doing this no more. We're, 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 you, the Holy Ghost has made a residence in your life, and we're not doing that no more. It's like that one person that used to testify, testify all the time, the goodness of God, and somehow or another cat done got their tongue. Some of us were straight up, we were so in love with Jesus Christ this time last year. And the further we get down the road with Jesus, it's like the more dignified we get. Well, I can't do that no more. I, 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 I know too much about the Bible. I got to get a little bit more dignified. There's a story from Luke chapter number 7. And I actually uh, have a wild idea. I got all kinds of wild ideas. But I have a wild idea that the woman in Luke chapter number 7 could possibly be in the crowd in Luke chapter number 15. She could be listening to Jesus at this point in time. Luke chapter number 7, she comes in Simon the Pharisee's house, and you know the story, she breaks her alabaster box over the feet of Jesus. She, the, the, Simon knew she was a sinner. This woman knew she was a sinner. Jesus knew she was a sinner. But she comes in with something, no matter what everybody knows about her, she comes in and breaks the alabaster box over Jesus' feet, and she worships the Lord. And so what happens is Jesus knows that Simon's got a problem. Jesus knows that the Pharisees got it, that, that all the religious folks that day, they got a problem with this sinner woman doing what she's doing and being who she's being. And so Jesus, he looks at Simon and he says, you know, suppose this, Simon. Suppose there's a man and, and he owed this guy this much and there's another man, he owed this guy this much. One of them owes 100, one of them owes 10. And, and, and suppose he forgave both of them. Which one is going to love him the most? And Simon has the answer. Simon and all of his old crotchety religion Simon and all of his old stale, stagnant prayers. Simon and all of his old cold, dingy houses that he worships God in. Simon and all of his whited sepulcher and full of dead men's bones. Simon in no emotion. Simon in no worship. Simon in a heart that is hard as a rock. Simon says, the one that thou forgavest the most. I used to think years ago, I'd see them people in, in altars, man, in their pews, and man, they'd be weeping. Man, they'd be worshiping the Lord. And I'd think, man, something must be wrong with them. Something's going on in their life. I wouldn't act like that. Man, they must have something wrong with them. And then I go back to Simon's house, and I crawl up in the middle of that scenario, and I think, I know what's wrong with them. They were forgiven a whole lot, and they ain't forgot it. Could it be that some of us have forgotten the goodness of the Father? 
crazy deal. Y'all realize that McDonald's is like the cheapest, most garbage food on the planet? How many of you understand that? Okay, y'all are all right. How many of you understand that they, they very seldom get your order right? Anybody, anybody ever been there before? I don't go to McDonald's because I don't want to go back and have to get what I didn't get. But you know what I found? We go back to that place. It's like, oh, I'm just swinging McDonald's. Like they didn't get it wrong the last hundred times. Like, like, like it didn't tear your stomach up the last ten times you ate it. Oh, it won't be that bad this time. Two hours later, we're all like, man, that was a really bad decision. But, but you, know, you know what I found? One stupid mess up in church. Pastor does one thing that you don't like, preaches one message that you don't like, bears down a little too hard and calls, calls you to something extremely high and a high expectation, a high standard. Something crazy happens, somebody offends you, something goofy happens, you know what? Can't find you with a search warrant. I'm done with that place. I'm not going back there. They made me mad. I'm not, go I'm not, I'm not going back there. They, 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 they just really bothered me around there, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going back. Like, like, like can, can I say this? If all it takes is one little goofy mess up in church for you to get out, you probably wasn't never really in to begin with. Because you know what? This thing's a family, and, 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 and we don't just bail when we have family problems. He couldn't see the goodness of the Father. Now, number two, and, and this won't take near as long because i got to quit at 10.15, they said. Or the schedule said. He was sure, that, that, get this one, he was sure that his way was a better way. Luke chapter 12, uh, 15 and verse 13, And not many days after the younger son gathered all and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. He was sure that his way was a better way. What was his way? Well, look at it. Not many days after. This boy had a plan. Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me and not many days after. You know what that is? That's a premeditated idea of, 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 of slipping out. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was getting into. He knew uh, he, he was getting what was his. He was cashing in. His bags was packed. His airplane ticket was booked. He had the place figured out where he was going. He had the harlot shops on the map picked out, and he's going to do his thing. Why? Because daddy's way was the wrong way. 
Because maybe, maybe daddy was trying to hold him back. He's trying to live life and daddy's trying to hold him back. My mom and dad were extremely sinful. My very first memories of my parents were, were, uh, were memories together, uh, were fighting memories. So I was five, my little brother was three. And now I can remember them uh, as I peered through this crack in the door. I can remember my mom and dad fighting. And I remember as a young boy saying, I'm not going to be like them. I had great grandparents. I, man, thank God for grandparents that raised their, uh, their grandkids. I had great grandparents, and my grandparents instilled some great things in me. And I can honestly say there that I never dreamed about being sinful. I never planned on being wicked. I never planned on being a drunk. I never planned on being a bad father. I never planned on being a bad dad. I never planned on being any of that. I never planned on any of that. It just happened. But you know, there's a lot of people that dream about being sinful. A lot of people that, that plan their exit and dream about being sinful. Now, I want you to make sure you understand, you don't slip out overnight. It starts with a plan. What's the, what, 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 what is it? Well, this, this young man was sure that he had a better way than his father. You know, I've watched the light switch turn off in people's eyes. Just like that. I've watched a light switch turn off in people's eyes when, when, they have, when they have gotten to a point where they figured out that they have found a better way. It's almost like you preach and conviction ain't there no more. Like what used to bother them don't bother them no more. What used to move them, it don't move them no more. What used to work in their heart don't work in their heart no more. And friend, I want you, I want you to listen to what I'm saying. If you're there, this morning would be a good morning for you to make that thing right with God. And I give you this last one, number three. His pride told him things would get better. His pride told him things would get better. Look, look in. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> yeah. Some, somebody hit McDonald's on the way here. <laughs> Last time I heard that was on Mork and Mindy. <laughs> with my grandma. Put all that nonsense up. We ain't got time for that. His pride told him that things would get better. What do you mean? Look in verse 15. Ready? And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him into his fields to feed swine. Where did he go? Well, the Bible says he went to a far country. Now, we don't know where that far country is exactly, but here's what we do know. In that far country, they raised pigs. One thing that this boy was never a part of is raising pigs. This environment that he's in now was not the environment that he had been raised around. 
He's away from everything that he knows. He spent all his money. There's a famine that has arose. And, and now, he's, he, uh, now everybody that he's partied with, ain't go, they won't give him anything. And so what's he do? What's a young man to do? Well, his pride tells him, Here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and join myself. I'm going to get with a citizen of that country, of that far country. And, and that citizen of that far country pushes him into doing something that he's never been a part of and that he wasn't supposed to be or intended to be a part of. Ain't that how the devil works, though? Man, he convinces you in your pride that things will get better while you're in the far country. Just keep doing what you're doing. Instead of, instead of the, uh, how many of you understand that, that the smart thing to do would have been to turn around and go back home? I mean, the logical thing to do is to turn around and go home. Instead, he joins himself to a person that has a completely different set of core values, a completely different set of cultural values. He, he, he joins himself to that citizen. And, and, and the Bible says, verse 16, and he, would fain, and, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave to him. I know this. I've never... I, I, uh, we, we eat boiled peanuts. Not the whole thing. Some weirdos eat the whole thing. But we just actually eat the peanut part inside. Nick Hatton's got a, a peanut allergy. And, 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 and Nick, Hatton, Nick Hatton eat half a bucket of peanuts, for, for the record. So it's a really good thing for y'all start dissing it too hard. But I'll tell you, I've never one time looked at a corn husk covered in pig manure and thought that looks pretty good. I don't know if you've ever smelled pigs before, but they're not a, they're not a sight to smell. They're, they're actually one of the most disgusting things that your nostrils will ever experience. They're awful. They smell terrible. And this boy is so hungry that he looks and, and, and he says, man, that husk looks really appealing right now. The only thing I ever eat that, that's, that's, uh, that's got anything to do with the corn husk is a tamale. If it ain't got a tamale wrapped up in it, I ain't eating it. Not no corn husk. I ain't messing with no corn husk. But, but let, me, let, me ask, let me ask you something. You ever been to the place to where you would just as soon eat a corn husk and it fill your belly as you had go back home and admit that you were wrong? You know, that's what he'd have to do. And, and may I say, this ain't a place that points fingers. But you, but you, it wouldn't matter if no, it wouldn't matter that anybody wasn't pointing a finger. Our church is not a place that points fingers. But some people will never come back because they will essentially be admitting that they were wrong for leaving to begin with. Pride will do some crazy. Pride will do some crazy stuff to you.
verse 17, he says, when he, the Bible says, when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. Now, I want you to see, I want you to see this, and I, I don't know how we're closing this thing. I don't know if I'm just praying we're done or what. But he sees the goodness of the Father in the servants. What he couldn't see when he left was the goodness of the Father. But now, and when he comes to himself, he now sees the goodness of the Father in the people that are serving his Father. Now, what if me and you could spot the slip before the slip? How many of us in this room has actually become jaded to the goodness of God? Maybe you have decided that your way is a better way. And, and you just hadn't told anybody. Maybe you're in here and you're, 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 in, you're in a college group and, and, and in your mind you've decided that you have the best way, but you hadn't told your pastor. You hadn't told anybody else in that. You've decided that your way is a better way, and you just hadn't told anybody. Maybe you're in here, and, and, and your pride has kept you from having a heart of repentance, and, 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 and may, maybe, maybe that's you. Something really cool happens in, in verse number 20. And he arose and came to his father. When he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I want you to see this. The first thing he, he, he was blind to, the first thing that he was blind to when he left home was the first thing he seen when he came back home. His daddy was as good to him when he left as he was when he came back. You're in here and and you're on the verge of slipping. You you can tell it. You're getting you're getting angry. Stuff's stuff's bothering you that didn't bother you before. You you you're getting a little bit of I deserve this. You get a little bit of entitlement. You're getting a little pride to you about certain things. Listen, don't do it. Don't go. Don't slip off. Why? Because I don't want you to slip off. We don't, got, we don't got enough time for you to be slipping off. This thing's almost over with. This thing's almost done. This thing's almost wrapped up in you. You're in too good of a spot. You got too many good things going for you and me to slip. If you'll come back... Now, now it... It doesn't matter you say it doesn't matter that you hadn't left this building. It doesn't matter that you hadn't left your church. It all starts right here. It all starts with the murmuring and the complaining about so and so and the pastors and so and so and the disciples and so and so and calling us to something and so and so. You say, Well that that ain't me. Could you help spot a slip in somebody else's life? This morning, we need to take some inventory.
Could we, ask, could we ask God this morning, have I become jaded to the goodness of the Father? Do, do, do I know more than do I know more than my pastor knows? Do I know more than God knows? Do I know more than the Holy Ghost knows? There's no sense in having to come back home smelling like a pig. There's no sense in having to come back. There's no sense in having to do all that. Just spot the slip before you slip off. Let's pray. Father, Lord, you're good and you love us and you want to show us who we are. God, my prayer is what I've prayed this whole time is that, God, you unveil our hearts and you let us see who's sitting on the throne, who's, who's calling the shots, who's guiding, and who's making the moves in our own life. God, is it us? God, is somebody on the verge of Slipping off altogether. Been plenty of people better than us that have slipped. And they're long gone. Lord, would you help us this morning? God, Code's going to come and, and preach in a little bit. And God, I pray you use him. I pray, God, you help him. And God, you, you, you make him, you use him in the power of God. Lord, use this time that we have this morning for the glory of God. In Jesus' name.